to look at Paul's mystery. And of course, Paul was always about Jesus Christ. That's who he was. And as we move into this chapter, chapter 3, just a little bit of review. Let's talk about some things that, that Paul just has shared with us and he is just coming apart at the seams because he's so excited about his Savior, about Jesus, and about God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Just a reminder, Paul shared with us that God the Father, he chose us, he adopted us, and he accepted us. And God the Son redeemed us, he forgave us, he enlightened us, he enriched us. God the Spirit sealed us and guaranteed our inheritance in heaven. Because God the Spirit is indwelling us, the Spirit of Christ, we have a taste of heaven here on earth, no matter what we're going through. We've also learned that we're God's workmanship. Christ has marked out a wonderful plan and direction for those that he loves, his church for you and for me. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and his blood brings us into the very holy of holies because his blood takes away all of our sins and we walk confidently into the holy of holies clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All barriers have been broken down. We've learned that we're citizens of heaven and the saints and the members of God's family from all ages were part of God's incredible, wonderful family. And we're being built on Christ, the cornerstone, into a living temple, a, a temple for God to dwell in personally. Peter put it this way. He tells us that we're living stones being built together into God's spiritual temple. First uh, Peter 2.5. When all of that, Paul is just so excited. And he, and now he brings us to kind of the conclusion of all those things that he shared. And it brings us to chapter 3, where Paul begins chapter 3 like this. He says, for this reason. And then if you'll look further on in the chapter, in verse 14, he goes back to the same exact phrase, for this reason. And then there, in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, for this reason, Paul is he's just overwhelmed with the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. And what's happening, he's, he's overwhelmed by the sweet, sweet uh, song of salvation of our God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All the wealth, all the riches that we have in Christ, all that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have given us and are given us to to be with us in making it through this world that we live in. And and he is so overwhelmed. He's ready to send up a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer for these precious saints that he loves so much in Ephesus. And so he begins the prayer in verse 1. And he says, for this reason, I, I, I'm going to pray for you. But before he starts praying... Uh, there's something 
that just evidently it came to his mind. Well, let me tell you why I personally am excited. Because God has given me an opportunity to, to be his man for you. And, and I'm, I'm so excited that he's called me. And, and there's a mystery about you Gentiles. That, that you've been so far from God, there was no hope from you, for you. But the mystery that I understand through Christ, why, he's given me the opportunity to share that mystery with you. So before we get to the prayer of Paul, there's kind of a parenthesis where he shares, I want to share this mystery for you Gentiles and how I get to be a part of the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus the, and the eternal God the Father that you have, you Gentiles have through Christ. And so we start again with verse 1. For this reason, and then Paul goes a different direction for just a little while before we get to his prayer. For this reason, I want to share this mystery with you. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Gentiles is the key word there. And you'll see why as we get into this. So Paul penned this epistle while he was a prisoner in Rome. Yet he gives a different perspective though he's sitting in that prison cell with a Roman guard in Rome. He says, I may be in the Roman Empire and I may be in a Roman prison, but I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's bought me and he's brought me to this place. And Paul knew that a Christian is never a victim of circumstances. Uh, I kind of am so uh, personally encouraged because of all that Paul went through and all the prison epistles that we have, and this being one of the key ones. We are so enriched. The Bible is so much fuller, and, and Paul has shared such incredible truth and foundation for our Christian lives the letters that we value so greatly because Paul was in prison. In addition, the guards that had to come alongside Paul and actually be chained to him, <laughs> well, what we found out is almost to a person, each guard came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we learn in the letter to the Philippians that, that Paul shared, he says, the saints in Caesar's palace, your new brothers in Christ. <laughs> the guys that have been here because I'm a prisoner, well, they greet you. And Paul knew, hey, the Lord's in charge. I'm so excited to be right in the center of his will. Well, you know, that's an encouraging word for us today and what we're going through. So whenever I complain about my circumstances or situation, it's because I'm forgetting that my Father is big enough to take care of me, whatever is coming at me. And He loves me with all His heart and soul. And 
He's going to cause all things to work together for eternal good. The best is yet to come, you say. Paul never lost this perspective. That's why he could say, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who's captivated my heart and changed my life and brought me to this place. And he's brought me to this place for you Gentiles. And that's what Paul is going to go into in these verses. Paul's giving us kind of the bigger picture. So let's look at verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, for you Gentiles. So in a very personal way, Paul is sharing with these Gentiles his love for him and how excited he is that God, that Jesus has called him to be a minister to the Gentiles. He says, Jesus has entrusted me with his love to share with you. I'm in prison because I refuse to allow any religion, any person, any power on this earth to shut me up, to stop me from being Jesus' minister to you Gentiles. Now, remember how Paul was put in this prison. If you remember as we went through Acts chapter 22. So Paul goes to Jerusalem. He's delivering a gift from all of the the churches to the saints in Jerusalem uh, and the troubles that they were going through. And while Paul is there, they say, well, Paul, why don't you uh, be part of worship and show the the Jewish Christians here that you love the Lord and you love them and so forth. So uh, Paul went into the temple and he was worshiping in Jerusalem at the temple. Some of the Jews who hated Paul saw him walking around Jerusalem with some Gentiles and they cried out, this man that's destroying the, our religion, he's, he brought Gentiles into the temple, which was a lie. It was not the truth. And there was a riot that began to take place. And they, they were ready to stone Paul. And they, the Roman guards rescued Paul. And then Paul said, well, let me talk to them. And so they quieted down the the riot, and Paul began to share. And he shared his testimony. He shared how he had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he, he, he shared that, number one, this Jesus that was crucified, he was crucified for our sins, to take away our sins, and he's alive. Jesus, I saw a bright light from heaven, And it was Jesus. And he spoke to me face to face. And number two, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I gave my heart and life to him that day. Number three, I was baptized. I became a part of Jesus' church. And then he shared uh, that he had had a call to ministry. And that's when things got 
crazy all over again. Here's what happened. When Paul shared this, from I'm reading from Acts 22, verses 21 and 22. And, and then he said to me, and then Jesus said to me, Paul is sharing his testimony, Depart, for I will send you far away from here to the Gentiles. <laughs> and they listened to him until this word, Gentiles. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he's not fit to live. And they were ready to, to take him out, do him in, kill him right at that point. He was protected by the Roman guards, but he was now in prison. And so from a prison cell, Paul saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and it's for you Gentiles. Jesus has called me to be a minister to you whatever the cost. And now he shares with them this mystery that's unfolding right before their eyes as, as Paul is called as a minister to the Gentiles. Verse 3. How that by revelation he, Jesus, made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which you when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, in which in other ages it was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And then verse 6 is a key verse. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Here's, here's, the, here's the bombshell and all of that. The promise. What's that all about? Well, the promise was originally given to Abraham, Father Abraham, the father of the faith of the Jews. Well, Father Abraham is also the father in the faith for all of the Gentiles, through the promise, through the, the miraculous seed that God promised to Abraham, that through that seed, that Christ himself would come to this world. That uh, God the Son would become one of us and would come for the very purpose of being our Savior the purpose of going to the cross and taking our sins upon himself that we might be set free and that we might be born again and born into the spiritual household and that there's no longer just Jews in God's family. There's anyone who by faith would come to the Lord Jesus. Uh, what a mystery Paul is revealing here. It uh, is an astronomical mystery that the Jewish mind had a hard time wrapping their mind around. In Scripture, the word mystery refers to something that previously is covered or hidden or you can't quite tell exactly how it's going to happen. But now, Paul says, it's completely fully uncovered, is completely revealed. We know the full story of the mystery of how Jews and Gentiles can be in the same family, totally, completely, 
forgiven and born again and part of Jesus forever family through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It's something that couldn't be revealed until Jesus would actually come to this earth and do the work on Calvary's cross. As we look at the Old Testament, we're going to take a little bit of a look at how that was a mystery in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the truth is there, but it's shrouded over with a covering, and they, and they saw the whole truth, but they couldn't understand it. They couldn't put it together. For in the Old Testament, we see two things about Jesus. Number one, we see that when Jesus comes, somehow he's going to be a suffering Savior. He's going to be a suffering servant. He's going to die on a cross. But then we also see in the Old Testament the prophecies. When he comes, he's going to be a conquering king. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. So how can he both be a suffering servant and a conquering king at the same time? Well, let's look at Isaiah, which speaks of the suffering servant side. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. Of course, that's in Isaiah and it speaks of Jesus, our suffering servant. But then in the same book of Isaiah, in fact, even written before we see the suffering servant chapter in chapter 53, in chapter 9 of Isaiah, we see the conquering king. And we look at this, these verses many times during the Christmas season. For us, uh, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for how long? For all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So, think about these two things in the Old Testament about Jesus. He's going to suffer and, and be crucified. He's going to be the conquering king and nothing can stop him. Well, how does that fit together? How is that possible? You see, that was all shrouded in mystery. Yet now, Paul's saying, it's fully uncovered, fully revealed. And because we now understand the whole story, the rest of the story, it's, it's been revealed completely to the holy prophets, uh, to the apostles, to me who's been called uh, his, to be his minister to you Gentiles, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs with the Jews, that we all are being 
going to be part of the same body, no longer divided. We will be partakers of the promise that was given to Father Abraham that the Christ would come, that he would die on the cross for our sins. He would be the suffering servant. And it's all the good news that I have to share with you. Wherein Paul says, we're in this dispensation of grace, the church age right now, because this mystery has been unfolded. And that's where we are. It's a time between the first coming of Jesus when he came to die on the cross for our sins and the second coming of Jesus when he will come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, look at uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. And this is where it kind of puts it all together for us. When Jesus is ascending into, into heaven and the church age begins, uh, angels said, Jesus said to uh, the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then everywhere, the ends of the earth, to all Gentiles. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And then the angel said to the disciples, men of Galilee, and the others that were gathered around, Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but someday he will return. He'll return from heaven. He will come down in the clouds the same way you saw him leave. But then we learn in Revelation 19.16 when he comes in the clouds the second time, he comes as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so the mystery is now completely, fully revealed. And Paul is revealing to them we are now in the church age. We're now in this dispensation of grace when the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords and will soon come again, while he loves you and he died for you and your sins can all be forgiven and he wants to be a part of your life. He wants you to be one of his children, his kids. And he wants to watch over you and he will never leave you or forsake you. The Paul is just, he's so excited about what we have in Christ. And this is for Gentiles. And Paul says, and I get to be a minister to the Gentiles to share this mystery, this good news. It's just incredible. Paul goes on in verse 7. He says, of which I, Paul, I became a minister according to the gift of grace, the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. It was a gift of God's grace which transformed Saul on the road to Damascus who was, who was breathing murderous threats after uh, those that were following Jesus as their Messiah. And, and Paul says this can't, or Saul said this can't be, but then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
and he gave his heart to the living Savior. And he was once a fire-breathing Pharisee, and now he's Paul, uh, a disciple of the Lord Jesus, who now will do whatever it takes to share the love of Christ with Gentiles. He's been taken from one group and completely put into another. He's now a member of the body of Christ, the called out ones, the church of the living God through Jesus Christ, his Savior. And all that has been accomplished was through the power of Jesus on the cross when Jesus gave his life for all mankind. It was all Jesus doing. It was Jesus calling Paul, Jesus' gift to Paul, the gift of love for Paul to give to the Gentiles. Paul was called by Jesus to be a minister. And that word is a word that means, it's a Greek word, uh, diakonos, which means just uh, those who wait on others, those who serve others, like a table waiter. And here's Paul. He's serving this glass of refreshing living water of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to Gentiles, the grace of God, to anyone, Jew or Gentile, that would say, I'm thirsty. I open my heart and my life to Jesus. And so Paul is just beside himself. He can't believe that Jesus chose him to be able to do that for those that Jesus gave his life for. Verse 8, as we go on. He says, to me, I was given this calling and this gift from Jesus, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Why, this grace was given to me. So Paul, he was so aware of the fact that it was not because he deserved it. If there was anyone who didn't deserve it, it was Paul. It was solely because of Jesus' unmerited, unearned, undeserved love, grace, and mercy that Paul was given this gift. In fact, as we look at Paul's life, we see kind of a, a picture here, and this, this very verse is a part of that picture that's kind of fascinating to me. The closer that Paul learned to walk with Jesus, the longer he knew Jesus, uh, the more he realized what a privilege it was to be Jesus' minister. And it, it looks like this. If you look at First Corinthians, early in Paul's ministry, he said, oh, I'm the least of the apostles, but <clears throat> I'm an apostle. And then here he says, well, I'm, I'm actually the least of all saints, but I am a saint. And finally, at the end of Paul's ministry, he says to Timothy, the truth is, I know who I am. I'm the chief of sinners. And I'm so amazed that Jesus would call someone like me. First, he would love me as I am. Then he would love me so much that he wouldn't leave me the way that I was. He changed my life from the inside out. And then he's calling me to be his minister of, of the incredible good news to the, to the 
Gentiles to the whole world. I, I get to be, I'm just amazed that I get to be his minister. That, as we go on in verse 8, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul's saying, I could, I could take my whole life, a lifetime, and I would just scratch the surface of the riches that we have in Christ Jesus, of the, of the, the depth of love that our God, who became one of us, what he has done for us, and the best is yet to come. We're, we're just scratching the surface of what the Lord Jesus has for us. And the message of Paul's ministry it was always Jesus, the unsearchable riches of Jesus. In a lifetime, you couldn't begin to uncover all of who he is and what he has and what he's going to do for you and for me. From day one, Paul started preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amazing truth. Look at uh, Acts chapter 9. Just the moment after Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, uh, he, he was taken to uh, uh, a servant of the Lord and, and he was baptized and the Lord opened his eyes and he just began immediately to preach about Jesus in the synagogue saying, He's indeed the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. And they go, well, isn't this the same Saul who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Many were put to death, were arrested. He tormented. He, he, he was after. Isn't this the same guy? They ask, and didn't he come here to arrest them and to take them in chains to the leading priests? In verse 22, but Paul kept preaching. Paul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refuse his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And he's alive. And after a while, some of them, they, did, they began to plot to kill Paul. So it was from day one, immediately, that Paul was, was so uh, blown away by who Christ really was. Oh, the eternal God, the eternal Son of God, that, that God would become one of us and love us so much that he would die on Calvary's cross, take our sins upon him and be a ransom for our sins and to set us free for eternity. Paul was the unsearchable riches of Christ. He was going to share that no matter what. The cost, the circumstances, it didn't matter to Paul. Paul was now in prison because he refused to allow any religion or any person or any power on this earth demonic power or whatever it might be, to shut him up. He was not going to be stopped. 
I like like this guy. I'm looking forward to to spending some time with him someday. Verse 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Paul says, Not only do I want to tell about the mystery, I want to make people see Christ. To... What is, what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ but now is fully revealed. So the method of Paul's ministry was not just to tell. Paul said the mystery of the indwelling Christ in our lives is spectacular what God has done and that we are the temple of the living God. Remember, he's already told us that we're, that we're, 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 built, we're being built on the cornerstone of Christ into a spiritual temple living in this world that the Gentiles, the unbelievers, that whoever we come in contact, they can see Christ in us. Uh, The method of Paul's ministry was not just to tell, but he wanted to make sure that people could see Christ in him. He talks about that to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In verse 7, we have this treasure in these simple jars of clay, in in, in, in these temples that God has given us, these tents to live in, that there's nothing really great about them, but Christ lives in us to show that this all surpassing power is from God. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. Is that our method of ministry? Is that our hope that people will see Jesus in our lives? In our church, at Open Gate? Is that our method of ministry that in this community people will see the love of Christ in the body, in His body, here at Open Gate? It should be. We pray that it will be more and more. And Paul goes on, verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. In other words, we, we want the world to see the love of Christ in His church. <laughs> that they'll be drawn towards Christ his love for them that uh, by the church and then also to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So Paul is this minister of the gospel of grace to the Gentile world, to all men, but he's saying there's even more going on behind the scenes that you don't even understand in this mystery the angels, the principalities and powers that they might see as well. And according to Peter, these angels are, are fascinated uh, 
by what's going on through Christ in the world today, that God would give his life, that God the Son would give his life for such as us. That the love of Christ, why, it's the mystery of the universe. Well, let's look at First Peter where Peter talks about that. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about this is the mystery. Christ's suffering and at the same time his great glory that he would come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a mystery. How can this possibly be? Verse 12. They were told that their message was not for themselves. It's not going to be revealed until the church age. And that's what Paul is revealing to these uh, Gentiles. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching all these things unfolding. And many of them are standing there and they're scratching their heads and they're going, unbelievable that our God, the God of this universe, would love his creation and actually become one of them in order to save them and take their sins upon himself. According to verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So the angels, they've witnessed Christ's love that eternal God, God the Son, would become one of us, his creation, to love us to the point of dying in our place. And they're going, you would love them that much? And now you're lavishly bestowing your care and your love upon them each and every day? And this motley crew of your creation, mankind, that they can just march right in to your throne, your, your holy throne in heaven itself. They can just march in anytime they want to. And, and they can just cast their cares upon you anytime that they want to. And, and, and they can just come and they can, they can ask for your help anytime they want to. And the answer is a resounding yes through Jesus Christ. And the angels are just blown away. No wonder Paul is so excited to be a minister of this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ that he has lavished upon us, his church, us Gentiles. Therefore, Paul says, Ah, I'm, I'm in prison, but I'm really a prisoner of Christ. So I ask that you don't lose heart at my tribulations. Why, it's 
for your glory. It's, it's for you to grow in Christ. And I couldn't be more excited about where the Lord has me. So this verse brings us back to Paul in a Roman prison. Yet in his heart, he was not a prisoner of Rome. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Ah, that We go back to verse 1. Uh, do not lose heart. Paul really believed he was never a victim of circumstances. He was right where the Lord had called him to be. His prayer, verse 1, he started out for this reason. This brings us to verse 14. For this reason. Paul has shared the reason and why he's so excited even though he's in prison. Don't worry about me. I am so excited to be right where I am because it's for you. I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins one of the most precious prayers in Scripture for us Gentiles. It's great. Next time. Hope you come back. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this message of Paul's heart. I'm the least of the apostles. Uh, No, I'm the least of the saints. No, I'm the chief of sinners. As I see the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ and unsearchable riches and love that he has for us, I am so humbled. I am so honored to be his minister. Lord, you have called us, each one of us, to be your minister. Lord, there's so much that we have to share. Lord, it's our heart's desire that we could also walk so close with you that people could see you in our lives. That the community could see you in our church. That they would be drawn to your love. Lord, whatever circumstance you have us in right now, Lord, we know that you're big enough to work all this out for your eternal good for us and those around us. So, like Paul, we're, we're just willing to be right where you have us. And we're excited to be your ministers in this world that is hurting so deeply. So Lord, that's our prayer. Help us to be the minister that you've called us to be. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight. May the Lord just richly bless you and encourage you, especially through Paul's life and the words that he shared with us. Good night.